Hello. Thank you for listening to our podcast today. We hope that you will be encouraged and it builds your faith. Thanks for listening. And I want to talk about the work of the Holy Spirit, the gifts and the work of the Holy Spirit. And so we're going to, we're going to cover a few things, but we're going to talk a little bit about the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And then we're going to dive into some detail on the gifts of the Spirit. And... Um, and I'll, I'll just tell you, I just have a heart for this. Uh, our Monday night Bible study, we began a series on the Holy Spirit, an introduction to the Holy Spirit. And um, we're going through uh, teaching there. And, um, and we're going to get in depth on Monday nights also. But if you were at our Bible study on Monday night, bear with me for a minute. Because some of the things that I taught on Monday night, I'm going to share a little bit tonight too. So, um, uh, but I am going somewhere. But I want to take the next few weeks and I want to talk about the power of the Holy Spirit, the work of the Holy Spirit in our life. And uh, we're living in an hour. We're living in an hour when cessationism is growing. And uh, uh, there are a lot of people who, who live by what I call practical atheism. Uh, they're not intellectually atheist, but they're pra- they, they, they live like God's word uh, isn't true. And so, but... I want to just go through and talk a little bit tonight. I want to introduce you a little bit tonight. I want to talk about who is the Holy Spirit and who, who He is and, um, and just lay some foundation because in order to really understand some deep truths of the Holy Spirit, we have to know some foundational teachings on who He is. And, uh, and you know, because the question is, if you're, ever, if you're ever asked the question, you know, how do you, how do you defend the Godhead? You know, how do you defend the Trinity? How do you explain the work of the Holy Spirit? And, um, and so hopefully this teaching will help you have some scriptures that you can memorize and know and help instruct and lead and pray with people uh, as they come. If you'll turn to John chapter 14. And uh, um, John 14, 15, and 16 are passages of scripture that deal with the last 12 to 18 hours of Jesus' life. Um, they, um, John 14 and the last verse of John 14, uh, says this, and we'll be going back into John 14 in a minute, but the last verse of John 14 says, but that the world may know that I love the father and as the father gave, gave me commandments. So, so I do. And Jesus said this, he said, uh, he said, uh, so I do arise and let us go from here. And so Jesus, uh, he's in the upper room, the Last Supper with his disciples. At the end of John 14, Jesus says, let's arise and let us go from here. And in John 15, um, we believe that he's entering into uh, the Garden of Gethsemane. He goes down through the Kindred Valley. And in John 15 is the incredible teaching um, of, um, of the... Um, vine and the branches, and uh, he talks about uh, abiding in the vine, and he gives that great analogy, and, and then he goes, and he ends up uh, in the Garden of Gethsemane, as we know, but John 14, 15, and 16 are the last things uh, Jesus said to his disciples, but let me just kind of contextualize it a little bit. The context text of those three chapters ends in this. The context is this. Jesus is telling them this. He says, I'm going away, 
but don't be troubled because I'm sending you another. And he's assuring them, I'm sending you another. He's introducing them to the Holy Spirit. And so in John chapter 14, go back to John 14. Let's look at verses 16 and 17. And uh, this is what Jesus says. In verses uh, 16 and 17 of John 14, he says, And I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper, that he may abide with you forever. How long? Forever. Verse 17, The Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he dwells with you, and he will be in you. How many know that's a great promise? From Jesus. In verse, in verse 16, he said, I will pray the Father. Really, the translation is, and some of you may have a different translation, the actual translation, translation is, is that I will pray, I will ask the Father. In other words, I will pray to the Father, I will ask the Father. There's only two places in Scripture where the word pray is translated to ask, and here is one of them. In other words, he is saying, I will pray, I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper. In other words, Jesus says, I will ask it, and he... See, the Bible never refers to the Holy Spirit as an it. It's always a he or him. The scripture always refers to him as a he or him. He is a person. And let me just say this tonight. If if you don't see him as a person you won't develop a personal relationship with him. If you don't see him as a person, you will not develop a personal relationship with the Holy Spirit. Verses 25 and 26 further along tells us this, these things I have spoken to you while being present with you, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance all and all things that I have said to you. And so he calls him in verse 25 and 26, he calls him a helper. In John 15, 26, he calls him a he and a helper also. In John 16, 7, he calls him the helper. In John 16, 7, he says this, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. And verse 12 tells us, and these are key verses. You need to remember these verses. Write these down. Because this is telling us something here in verse 12 and verse 13. Look what it says. I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. What is is he saying? I still have many things that I want to say to you, but you're not in the place where you can bear them, receive them. The word bear there, to to bear them, means to be able to uh, uh, have the, it means capacity. In other words, you don't have the capacity to understand them or the capacity to uh, receive them is what he's saying. And then verse 13, however, when he, the spirit of truth has come, look what he does. 
He will guide you into all truth, and he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will tell you things to come. Isn't that a great verse? Isn't that a great promise for us? What's that telling us today? It's telling us that the Holy Spirit still speaks to men. The Holy Spirit still speaks to us. And he still wants to speak in this hour. He still wants to speak. And so this settles all the arguments of whether the Holy Spirit speaks or not, or whether he wants to speak. And so the Trinity is the Godhead. And, um, and so we see that, that the Holy Spirit is a part of the Godhead. And all three persons of the Godhead can be in one place. And we see that the, script, the, the Bible here describes the Holy Spirit as a helper. And it's mentioned five times in Scripture and four of them we just read. We, read. we read four of the words. And the word helper here is interesting. It comes from the Greek word parakalitas. And it means para, which means alongside. And kalitas means to, to, uh, to come. In other words, to come alongside. In other words, when it talks about the Holy the Helper, the Holy Spirit, it speaks of the Holy Spirit as our helper, as a paracletus. The English translation is paraclete, that he is one who comes alongside us. Jesus said that he's going to send someone to come alongside you and I. Para, uh, to come alongside, to walk with us. And what's he going to do? He's going to lead and guide us into all truth. He's going to speak to us. He's going to lead us. He's going to guide us. He's going to reveal truth to us. And so there are other words in Scripture. There's the word uh, parable uh, has the word para, which means uh, alongside. Uh, boa, which is uh, for the second part of the word parable. It means to throw alongside with. In other words, what Jesus would do is that he would tell a story and then he would tell a parable. He would throw a truth alongside that story. It was a parable where we get the word, we get our word paragraph. Para means alongside, to write something alongside. Um, you know, and so the helper can be translated as this one who consoles, who intercedes, an advocate is another word for this word helper that Jesus talks about. I will send you a helper. The old King James, if you have a King James version, it describes him as a comforter, one who's a comforter. And, uh, and so when I mentioned the word comforter, I was telling the Bible study the other night, when I mentioned the word comforter, um, what comes to mind? It comes to mind comforter at your house, right? We all put comforters, we call them comforters, we put them on our bed. And um, I was telling the Bible study when we first got married, um, we had gotten a new comforter. I don't know if someone gave it to us as a wedding gift uh, or my wife's mother bought it for us, but we had a, we had a brand new comforter, a really nice comforter. And, um, and so we put it on the bed. It looked nice, but I remember one night I came in and the, and the comforter was gone. It was off the bed. And I was like, um, where's the comforter? And uh, <laughs> Laura said to me, she said, uh, well, uh, it's not for you. It's not for use. It's for looks. And I'm like, okay. Well, you mean it's not for use. It's for looks. So when people come over, you put the comforter on, and it looks nice, right? 
So it's not for use, it's for looks. And uh, I was telling the Bible study the other night, I, I thought, you know what, over the years I've discovered in my house there's a lot of things that are for looks and not for use. How many of y'all have towels that are not for use, right? They're for looks. We have guest towels. Y'all know what guest towels is? It means keep your hands off of them until guests come. And, uh, and, and so, <laughs> in other words, don't touch them. You know, don't use them. And uh, I have, I've gotten in trouble by sneaking and using the good towels, the guest towels. Lord say, well, what are you doing? Why are you doing that? What are you doing? I don't know why I'm doing it. I'm, I'm wet and naked and I need to dry off. I don't know why I'm doing it. You know, men don't know why we do it. We just do it. But, um, but that com- the comforter, it just reminded me I, as I thought of that statement, the comforter is not for use, it's for looks. And um, how many know the Holy Spirit is not for looks, it's for use? That he's not for looks, he's for use. But what's happened is many, many believers have a comforter mentality when it comes to the Holy Spirit that he's just for looks and that he's not for use. I'm here to tell you that he wants to empower you and I to how we live in this hour. He wants to bring life to us tonight. And so I want to share a couple of things with you about the Holy Spirit. I just started one. Number one, I want you to know the Holy Spirit is our helper. In other words, the Holy Spirit is our helper because he help us to, sometimes he helps us to know what to say, right, and what not to say, <laughs> right? I mean, how many have been, I, I've been at places where people have asked me to pray or asked me to do something, and I'll be like, I don't know what I'm going to pray, and I'll get up, and I'll begin to pray, and all of a sudden the Holy Spirit will bring something to my remembrance to pray, and I'll pray that, and then when I'm finished, Usually somebody will come by and say, man, I'm glad you prayed that. that that's, that's what I've been walking through. Or that's what I've been going through lately. How many know the Holy Spirit will be your helper? He'll be your guide. He'll tell you what to say. But the Holy Spirit will also tell you not what not to say, right? And uh, anybody ever met people without filters, right? How many know you know the Holy Spirit is not working very strong in their life because they just say whatever they want to say? How I many know the Holy Spirit will help you say, tell you what not to say sometimes? And there are times we need to know what to say and not to say. In John chapter 16 and verse 8, the Bible tells us, tells us this about the Holy Spirit. He says this in verse 8, And when he has come, it tells us he will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. Okay, It tells us that the Holy Spirit... He will convict the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment. Now, when we think of that word convict, or when we think of that word convict, we immediately think negatively. But really, when we look at this passage and you study it, um, the, the next three verses is really what describes the meaning of, of what he's saying in verse 8. In verse 9, he says, Sin, because they do not believe in me, of righteousness because I go to the Father and you see me no more, of judgment because the ruler of this world judged. And the word because, in other words, verse 9, he will convict the world of sin because of why? Because, Because they don't believe, if you don't believe you're a sinner, 
you'll never believe you need a Savior. In other words, if you don't believe you're a sinner, you will never come to the place where you believe that you need a Savior. He convicts us of sin, but He convicts us to the point to where we recognize the fact that we need a Savior tonight. How many know all mankind needs a Savior? It's not just to convict you of what sin you have poured your life into that has made your life a wreck. He convicts us so that we understand and have a recognition that we need a Savior tonight. Our world needs a Savior tonight. And so He convicts us of sin. And the Bible tells us that the Holy Spirit convicts us so that He may lead us to Jesus. Verse 10 Righteousness, because I go to the Father. And this is interesting because this word righteousness here has to do as a word, the root of this word means right standing. It, it has nothing to do with the, with the verb of this word, which means right living. It has to do with right standing. So what's the Holy Spirit do? It convicts us of our right standing. It convicts us to make sure that we examine ourselves to make sure that we're always in right standing. When we take communion as a a corporate body, what are we doing? We're examining ourselves. And sometimes the Holy Spirit will convict us of righteousness. He convicts us of what? Of our right standing. Are we in right standing with God? He convicts us. Are we at the place where, you know, you believe that you're in right standing with him. Verse 11 says that judgment, because the ruler of the world is judged. Satan, John 12, 31 says that Satan has been cast out. He's been dethroned. His authority has been stripped from him, according to John 14, 30. And so judgment, because the ruler of this world is judged, he convicts the world of sin because we need a savior. He convicts the world of righteousness because we need to make sure we're in right standing. But we also need to understand the judgment. He convicts the world of judgment so that we understand as believers that Satan himself has been stripped of all authority. That he, that Jesus came and took that authority away from him And if we understand that Satan has been judged, we understand that we, in our right standing with God, we have authority in the earth to live out our lives as God would desire us to live them out. In other words, he's our helper, and we understand that Satan has been judged. Do you understand Satan has been judged tonight? That he has has been stripped of every a bit of his authority and power that he has, and that the believer has, we be, we've become kings and priests in Christ Jesus, that we have authority tonight through the power of the blood of Jesus Christ. Amen. So we understand that the Holy Spirit, he comes as our helper tonight, and who he is is he's our helper. Number two, he's our friend. And I say this all the time, and I know you all hear me say it all the time. But I'm going to keep saying it because it's real. The Holy Spirit is our friend, and the Holy Spirit is not weird. Y'all hear what I'm saying? The Holy Spirit is not weird. He's not flaky. He's not weird. He's not goofy. 
The Holy Spirit is, is uh, he, is our, he can be our friend. The Lord sent him. He is a friend to the believer tonight. I was telling them in our Bible study on Monday night that uh, I recently read a poll that said that one in three believers are weird. <laughs> look to your right. Look to your left. And if they're not weird, <laughs> it, may be, it may be you. I don't know. But one in three people are weird. In other words, the Holy Spirit comes into our life. And so we talk about that the Holy Spirit comes in our life and there's evidences of the Holy Spirit. But I want to say this. I think it's a better word to be used is that the Holy Spirit is our friend, that the Holy Spirit brings benefits to our life. That there's benefits that he brings into our life. There's the benefit, the, the scripture says this, that you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you to witness. He's our friend, and the benefit is that he brings power to our lives. He gives us the ability to love, according to 1 Corinthians 13. He gives us the ability. We have the fruit of the Spirit can be out of our lives. We just finished that series, the fruit of the Spirit. And so he gives us the gifts of the Spirit. And so there's the benefits of the Holy Spirit that comes into our lives that that we receive. We'll talk more about that later. But he is our friend tonight. He's our helper, and he is our friend tonight. And I thank God the Holy Spirit is my friend. Number three, not only is, our, is he our helper and he is our friend, but number three, the Holy Spirit is my God. Now, if I say to you tonight, if I say the Father is my God, you, that doesn't you would agree with that. If I say Jesus is my God, you would agree with that. But if I say the Holy Spirit is my God, sometimes people think, well, that's just, you know, kind of, you know, some may have a problem with that, that he is our God. But the Holy Spirit is a part of the Godhead, a part of the Trinity. He is God. And so, we know that the, the Trinity uh, is in many verses in Scripture, John 14, 16, John 14, 26, John 15, 26. All of these uh, talk about the Holy Spirit. But look at it like this. The Father glorifies and magnifies the Son. The Son only does what the Father says, but the Holy Spirit is the one that leads you to Jesus. And so the Holy Spirit is God. Let, let me give you another verse. Turn with me to the book of Acts chapter 4. The book of Acts chapter 4. Now hang with me. Y'all, I am going somewhere. Acts chapter 4. Or Acts chapter 5, I'm sorry. Acts chapter 5. Acts chapter 5, and I want... To read to you verses 3 and 4. You all know the story of uh, Ananias and Sapphira. And uh, the couple that held back the possession uh, land that they sold. And they had, had uh, you know, lied to uh, the apostles. And uh, we all know that story. It's one of the most grievous of all stories in the scripture. And, uh, 
But verse 3 says of chapter 5, it says, But Peter said to Ananias, Why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and keep back part of the price of the land for yourself? Now, what did Peter say? He said, Why? What has filled your heart to lie to who? The Holy Spirit, right? Now, look at verse 4. While it remained, it was not your own. And after it was sold, was it not was it not your own control? Why have you conceived this thing in your heart? For you have not lied to men, but to who? But to God. In other words, what's Peter saying? You have not just lied to the Holy Spirit, but you've lied to God. You've not just lied to an empathy, you've lied to God. And so it's emphasizing that the Holy Spirit is part of the Godhead. He's our God tonight. And so the Holy Spirit is our helper, he's our friend, and he is our God tonight. And so we understand that that's who he is. He's our helper, he's our friend, and he is my God tonight. Let's, let's, let's do this. You know, it's extremely important. Um, there are complete groups of religious people who teach that the Holy Spirit is not a person, that he is a force and not a person or a power. I can tell you the Holy Spirit is not just a force or a power. He is a person tonight. He is a person. And, um, and it's important to believe that he is a person and that he is. And we see in Scripture, um, Jesus refers to him. And, and as I said earlier, that if you don't see him as a person you'll never develop a personal relationship with him. If you're taught that he's not relevant, you see no value in a personal relationship with the Holy Spirit. Why would you talk to him? Why would you refer to him? If, if you don't develop a relationship, then he's only seen as a force and a power in your life. And what happens is, is that he is, he is, just, he is just that. There's no relationship. And so, but let me say, let me just tell you the reality of this. The reality is the Holy Spirit is not his name. The Holy Spirit is his description. The Holy Spirit is what describes him. His name is God. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, right? His function is, is that is that he, he endues us, uh, he empowers us, he leads and he guides us into all truth. And if he, is, if, if, if he is a person, what distinguishes him as a person is, is what distinguishes a person. So if the, we call the Holy Spirit a person, then he has to carry the attributes that distinguish a person or who a person is. You know, I look at that chair over there. That If I sit in that chair, that chair is not a person, right? That's not a person. It's, what is a person? You could say, well, a person is something that has life. Well, not necessarily because a tree has life, but it's not a person. So what is a person? Simply a person is this. A person has a personality, exhibits the marks of a personality. 
So that's a person. The person that has the theological definition would be this, someone who has a soul. That is a person, someone who has a soul. And we all know, y'all been, most of y'all been in church long enough, you know that a soul is made up of three parts, right? Mind, will, and emotions. The mind, uh, we think with the mind, we desire with the will, and we feel with our emotions. And so the soul, the inner part of a person is made up of its mind, will, and emotions. Is it possible that the Holy Spirit is trying to let us, lead us to think like God thinks, desire what God desires, and to feel what God feels. The work of the Holy Spirit in our life affects our person. It affects our soul. It affects our mind, our will, and our emotions. The Holy Spirit teaches us and helps us to think like God thinks. And He helps us to to desire the things that God desires, to feel what God wants us to feel and what God feels. According to Scripture, the Holy Spirit is living in us. So if you want to know what God thinks about something, He's living in you. He can tell you what, 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 what God is thinking because He is God. He can tell us what God's desires because he is God. He can tell us what God feels because he is God. And so the Holy Spirit himself also has a mind and a will and emotions. And I want to, let's talk about that. He has a mind. Look at John 16, 13. Back to the book of John 16, 13. The scripture tells us this. It says, however, when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth, and he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will tell you the things that are to come. In other words, he will guide you into all truth. How can he guide into all truth unless he knows all truth, right? He knows it because he is what? He's omniscient. He's all-knowing. How many know God is all-knowing tonight? The Holy Spirit is all-knowing. And omniscient, it comes from two words. Omni, which means all. Omniscient, which means knowledge. All knowledge. So the Holy Spirit knows everything. And so, how many know you can't measure God's IQ? God knows it all. And so he knows it all. God can never think of something he has never thought of before. You ever thought of that? God can never think of something he's never thought of before. See, I'm not trying to prove to you that he is a person. Most of us already know and believe that. But we need to understand the benefits of the Holy Spirit and and a relationship with him as a person. We have someone who is living in us who knows everything about everything, and he's committed himself to being our teacher. Isn't that powerful? Think about that for a moment. Inside of you lives the Holy Spirit who who knows everything about everything, 
And the scripture says he's committed to being our teacher. Isn't that comforting tonight to know that the creator of all the world, all knowledge of the world lives in you? You have access to that by a relationship with the Holy Spirit. He's our teacher. The good news is the person who has never ever questioned, who has never ever questioned living inside of you, but you'll never ask him if you don't think he's a person. See, if you don't think he's a person that's living inside of us, he helps us with scripture. The Holy Spirit can be our teacher. Let this mind be in you that was also in Christ Jesus. And so he has a mind. He leads and guides and teaches us. He's inside of us. He's all omniscient. He knows all things. He's able to teach you and I. And our relationship with the Holy Spirit as a person is to know that the Holy Spirit has a mind and all truth can come from him. Number two, he has a will. The Bible says in Acts 16, 6, I'm going to read this to you. Acts 16, 6. The scripture tells us, and when they had gone through uh, Paraga and the region of Galatia, they were forbidden by the Holy Spirit to preach the word in Asia after they had come from Maesha, and they tried to go to Bethania, but the Spirit did not permit them. He has a will. They were forbidden by the Holy Spirit. It means this. It means to exercise their will or your will, to be forbidden. They were forbidden by the Holy Spirit. In other words, they were forbidden to exercise their will, and he exercised his will. I remember years ago we were we were when I was in youth ministry we were we were doing an outreach down close to Mammoth Cave down in Kentucky and there was a pastor down there that was a friend of ours that had started a church in a house and uh, we took a group of young people down there because we were going to canvas the neighborhood and we were having a youth rally that night and we were uh, we were going out. And we were just inviting people to the meeting right off the street. And uh, so we went out two by two, and, and uh, me and another youth worker was out. We were walking, and uh, as we were walking, uh, I, felt, I just felt the presence of the Holy Spirit tell me and, and say, turn here and go down this road. And we were just in a neighborhood, and we were just praying, God, lead us to where people are. And... Uh, and I told the person I was with, I said, hey, I said, I think we ought to go this way. I think the Spirit of the Lord is telling us to go this way. And, uh, and they said, yeah, I think so too. And so we're walking, and it was like the first part of the road, it was like, ain't nobody lived down this way. You know, we, you had that question in natural. You knew the Spirit of God was speaking to you. And you're, you're like, well, I'm just going to listen to the Holy Spirit. And we begin to walk. And as we begin to walk, we get to the next corner. And we look to the right. And there is a junior high school that is right there on the right. And I hear this huge roar of loud noise. And what it was is there was a junior high basketball game that was going on in the gym. And tons of students was in there. And I could hear the noise. 
And I said, hey, let's walk up here to this game. There's got to be teenagers up here. And so by that time, we had caught up with another couple of folks that were part of our group. And we went up. And as we were getting to the gym, we heard this horn go off, like the end of the game. And we heard this horn go off. And all of a sudden, bam, through the double doors came hundreds of junior high kids that were pouring out of this school. And we couldn't grab them fast enough to invite them to the meeting. And, and we were giving stuff away. And kids were like, really, really? You know, we ended up having like 80 or 90 kids that came to that meeting that night. And I mean, know the Holy Spirit knows how to lead us and knows how to guide us. He helps us. He leads us. He, uh, he has a will. He exercises his will. And since he has a will, obviously his will is to do the will of God. We want to know God's will for your life. Let the Holy Spirit lead your life. And so, how does the Holy Spirit express his will to us? I get questions all the time. Pastor, how do I know the will of God for my life? Well, how do I know God's will for my life? Well, there's two aspects. Do you want, there's God's general will, and then there's his specific will. His general will is revealed to us by fasting and praying and by his word. His word reveals his general will to our life. But his voice reveals his specific will for our life. He will speak to us. In other words, if you want to know about marriage, if you want to know about finances, how to be a father, how, you know, uh, there are general teachings in the scripture that, that the Holy Spirit will use his word to speak to us. But if you specifically want to know whom to marry, the Holy Spirit can't, will tell you that you, you don't, I don't open up the word of God and Laura's name was in the Bible and I knew who to marry, Right? In other words, you know, you have to hear the voice of God when it becomes specific in your life. The specific will of God, the, the, the Holy Spirit will speak to you. He will guide you. And uh, he'll teach you how to pray and what to pray. You know, the scripture tells us, turn over to Romans chapter 8. I want to show you something. The scripture tells us that none of us really know how to pray. It tells us that None of us know what to pray. I know I'm going to shock you, but I'm going to show you in Scripture. How, how many know are familiar with the verse in Romans chapter 8? We all know Romans 8, 28, right? We can quote that. And we know all things work together for good to those who love God and to those who are called according to his purpose. We all know that Scripture. But look back at verse 26 of Romans 8. It says, Likewise, the Spirit also helps us in our weakness. For we do not know what we should pray for as we ought, but what the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which, we can, which cannot be uttered. Verse 27, now he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is because he makes intercession for the saints according to what? The will of God. And so we don't always know what to pray, but the Holy Spirit knows 
what the mind of God is and what the will of God is. And so there are times when we, when we hear the Spirit of God and we know how to pray through the Spirit of God. God reveals to us what to pray. I was thinking today as I was studying for this, I thought, um, I don't know about you, but I've gone through seasons where I feel like I've not heard the voice of God. Or there'd be seasons where, you know, you read the word and you, you're praying and, you, and it's like, where's the voice of God? I, I can't hear the voice of God. And all of a sudden, I've learned to lean on the Holy Spirit, to pray in the Holy Spirit, and he will pray through you. He will, he will, he will pray the will and the mind of God for your life, and he'll reveal that to you through the Holy Spirit. And I thought to myself, you know, there were 400 years in biblical history where God did not even speak that we know of, right? I mean, 400 years where we don't, we don't have any record of God speaking or him even telling us that he spoke. How many know that's a real dry season? <laughs> you know, but the Bible says in Acts 2, Peter stood up and this is what the prophet Joel was speaking about. Peter stood up in Acts chapter 2, and, um, and he began to preach, and Peter stood up, and this is what the prophet Joel uh, was speaking about. In the last days, I'll pour out my spirit on all flesh, and this promise is to you and to your children and to all who are far off. I love that passage of Scripture. You know, um, if you come across people who say, well, the Spirit of God, the baptism of the Holy Spirit has died out in this hour, I always refer to people to Acts chapter 2 and verse 39. Acts 2.39 tells us this. We'll look into this later as we get deeper into this study. But Acts 2, we all know what Acts 2.38 says. Then Peter said to them, repent. And let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. But look, look at verse 39. You know, Jesus in the book of John talks about the promise that is coming. But in verse 39 it says, For the promise is to you and to your children and to, and to all who are what? Are far off as many as the Lord our God will call. You know what that's telling me? That in verse 38, when it says, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. See, it wasn't just for that day. It was for you. It was for your children. And it was for all who are afar off. We are afar off. We are the, the afar off generation, right? And so the Holy Spirit is, is not only was not then for then, it's for today. The scripture tells us, he tells us in Joel that your sons and daughters shall prophesy and hear from the Holy Spirit. Your young men shall see visions and old men will dream dreams. Thank God for that. Thank God for a time when God will begin to speak to each generation. See, you can't have a personal relationship with somebody through someone else, right? I can't have a personal relationship with my wife through someone else. You have to have that relationship with the Holy Spirit. And, and so 
We have to understand that we, we, we live in an hour when we have to learn how to, to know the Holy Spirit personally. That we may, when we know him personally in a relationship, we'll know, his, we'll know the mind of God and the will of God and we'll desire the things of God. And finally tonight, third, he has emotions. And it's interesting because Galatians 5, the fruit of the Spirit, which we just talked about, all of these, the fruits of the Spirit, are all characteristics of a person. All the characteristics of the fruit of the Spirit are the characteristics of a person. Love, right? Joy, peace, all of these, gentleness, kindness, long-suffering, all of these are personal characteristics of individuals. And so the Holy Spirit has emotions. Turn with me to Ephesians chapter 4 as I kind of wrap this up tonight. Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 30, it tells us this. It says, and do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. You know, grief is an emotion, right? And the Bible tells us the Holy Spirit can be grieved. Joy is an emotion. And so, in order to get the context of the passage to help us with the meaning of this passage, we have to go back a few verses that leads into this verse. Go back to verse 25. Verse 25 says, Therefore, put away lying. Let each one of you speak truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath, nor give place to the devil. Let him who stole steal no longer, but rather let him labor, working with his hands what is good. And he may have something to give him who has need. Let no corruptive word proceed out of your mouth, but what is good for, for necessary for edification, that it may impart grace to the hearers. And then verse 30, do not grieve the Holy Spirit by whom you were sealed from the day of redemption. What is that telling us? It tells us this. These lists of things are things that can grieve the Holy Spirit. That these are things that grieve the Holy Spirit. These are things that... that so what is it that grieves the Holy Spirit? Sin grieves the Holy Spirit. Sin in it can grieve the Holy Spirit. Believers... It grieves the Holy Spirit. In other words, grief. Here's what grief is. Sadness you feel when you lose intimacy with a person. That's what, that's what grief is. It's, it's the sadness you feel when you lose intimacy with a person. Um, and that's what happens between you and the Holy Spirit when we engage in sin. What happened? We know... Uh, you know, when someone passes away, we grieve. Why do we grieve? Because we've lost intimacy with someone whom we love, right? 
We know we'll see them again in heaven, right? But, but we grieve over the loss of intimacy. And so you can have salvation but not intimacy with the Holy Spirit. You can have the salvation of God in your life but not have intimacy. And when you grieve the Holy Spirit, it is a loss of, of, it is a loss of intimacy, It's, it's like this, you know, when we have sin in our life, we're really stiff-arming the Holy Spirit because most of the grieving of the Holy Spirit comes from that loss of intimacy with Him. If you have a sin that keeps you in bondage, you have to begin again to start the process of freedom. Freedom is a road. Bondage is also a road. People just don't fall into sin on the first day. There's a road that leads down into it, that leads to it, that leads to the end of it. There's been times, I remember one specific time I was, I was uh, early pastoring and uh, and I was, I was doing a, a camp. It was like a, a revival at a camp for youth. And I was invited to speak. And, and um, the first night we were there, man, God showed up. It was just a powerful meeting. And young people were coming to the Lord. And, um, and something happened the next day. And uh, I knew something had happened. And I had, I had done something, engaged myself in something that I knew uh, was not right. And so I remember going back to that meeting and I could feel and I thought the anointing that was there the night before was gone. Because I knew in my spirit that that earlier that day I had grieved the Holy Spirit in my personal life. And I could tell that the presence of God was not there the night before because what happened was that the sin that I allowed to get into my personal life it grieved the Holy Spirit in my life. There was the loss of intimacy with God. And so the Holy Spirit is a person tonight. That's who He is. We have to understand He's our helper, He's our friend, and He's our God. But He is a person tonight. He has a mind, He has will, and He has emotions. And so I want to challenge you tonight. I want to challenge you to recognize who the Holy Spirit is because we'll never understand we'll never understand the benefits of the holy spirit unless we understand who he is and that who god has has sent him for he is he is a comforter he is a helper to us but we also have to understand that he is also he is a person he is part of the godhead and so we know that we cannot grieve him tonight. We have to allow him to be our helper. He wants intimacy with us. And he wants intimacy with you. Stand with me tonight if you would. Pastor Adam, if you'd come. And sometimes we can get busy in our Christian lives and our Christian walk. and We don't understand that he, the person that he is in our life. And so we, 
we fail to spend time with him and recognize and allow him to work in our lives. We dismiss him. We don't look at him as a part of the Godhead that we have relationship with. The Bible says the same spirit that rose Christ from the dead lives in us. That's powerful. That is a powerful, powerful scripture. The same power, think about that, the same power that raised Jesus from the dead lives in us. When we are in right standing, when we understand our authority and who we are in Christ, you know the world is looking for answers to fix all of these tough questions that are happening in our world. I believe God who is omniscient, the Holy Spirit who is all knowledge, knows how to speak to us, how we can bring healing to where there needs to be healing. Thank you for joining us for River Valley Community Church's podcast. If you feel led to give, you can click on the donation link in the description or visit our website at rivervalleymadison.com. If you've enjoyed the podcast, you can subscribe or share with your friends. Thanks again for listening. God bless you.
And so we're to renew the mind. And when we repent, it means to go back or to turn back to. It means to return to. The word really is to return to the top. 